Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Friday, June 2nd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who chooses to join us as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free thanks to the tireless effort of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice all you have to do to access them is go to the website at whyagain.org if you go to that website and click on the two words that they start here in the upper left hand corner it will take you to a page where you can download and read chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book his book is titled Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their life. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate if you did that by calling 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, if you press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. So, let us know how we can be of support to you. 
Alternatively, if you don't want to call in directly, you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if we get a question or a comment or a testimonial from you, we will address it on the Internet show. And then as time allows, send you a, a message about what day and time it was addressed so you can listen back to the archive for the feedback. So, area code 520, you have your hand up. Who do we have? Hi, Dr. Tim. Hi, Dr. Tim. Welcome, Audrey. Audrey. Yes. Welcome. And I I wanted to thank uh, the support, you and the support group, for giving me and guiding me through the worksheet and providing so much love and I just want to say thank you and that it works. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Yes. I can feel it. And it's wonderful. I'm very glad to hear that. I have the same experience quite often when I use the tools and that is why we're here to try and Make that set of tools available to, as Michael Rice calls it, every heart, mind, and being on the planet. So congratulations for being willing to do the work and for the benefit that you accrued. Thank you all. All right. You're welcome. Blessings. Blessings. So Audrey was kind enough to let us know that without violating any confidentiality, I can let you know that she did a worksheet in the group last night. And as you just heard her say, it was powerfully beneficial. She started at about an 8 out of a 10 upset. And when it was done, she was down to a 1 or 2, depending upon which breath she was on. And uh, as I think you can hear in that tone in her voice, if you were listening yesterday, complete change in her energy and far more relaxed certainly far more joyful by the time the worksheet was over last night so so um and you know i should point out that that was one of those worksheets where um, she didn't get any deep powerful specific insight that was you know logical clarity it just Flowed, and she felt kind of floating. Uh, she was floating on a very calm ocean, she said, and she benefited by having an energy shift without having any deep memory of trauma or integrated intellectual processing, and that can happen on a regular basis. So I am grateful for everyone who chooses to join us in those 
in those gatherings, in those community settings, even though it's on, on Zoom, it, it, it does create a very different energy system for people when they choose to, to do a worksheet process, as many who have done it can attest. I, most, most of the time when I say that, I have a very specific memory of a gentleman. He was in his late 40s, early 50s, and he came to one of the support groups we were having in person up in Woodstock, Illinois, and he said, you know, what absolutely baffles me about this is he says, I end up being more honest with myself when I do a worksheet in this group with 8 or 10 or 12 people sitting around the table than I am when I do the worksheet at home. And I chuckled because I, I understand it. I get it. There's a, there's a process. There's an energy synergy. There is, for some, uh, I suppose they would call it a safety. For some, I suppose they would call it a pressure to not hide, to just show. And um, so that's, that's available on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, absolutely free. If anybody want to, wants to join us, all the information you would need to join us or send that information to anybody else is available at mindshiftersacademy.org. And um, as sometimes happens, when people go to that website and they can't figure it out, you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And I will send you the links through direct email if that's something you're interested in. Again, it's our intention to be of service, and that's what all of this time, intelligence, and money, and energy has as its intention. And you can help us do that by speaking up letting us know what's the what's the best way we can support you i um as is usually the case since we were here i've had um a busy time and uh one of the things that i did in that period of time was listened to a podcast, and the podcast was from We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle, and it's the podcast where she has a conversation with the spoken word artist, poet, if you will, Andrea Gibson. And um, I don't really have words for this. I have... Um, I've recommended this podcast once or twice before. Um, they're not shy of using the F word and the S word. And so I, I, I know there are people who would be turned off by that. And yet this podcast is three very bright, very tuned in, emotionally sensitive women. And they will interview or have conversations with really bright, powerful people in a variety of different walks of life and skill sets. Uh, but I, I keep thinking about how when people set their lives up in a certain way, they, they raise their 
quality of life and interactions and they raise their vitality and it attracts other people who have raised their quality of life and raised their vitality. And I keep thinking about that. I have that that image of cream rising to the top in, in the raw milk. And I I think about the quality of people, the vast majority of them that I have listened to on that podcast um, are just really high quality, genuine people. I was talking to somebody um, recently who had been on a, on a date, and um, I asked, "Are you going to, you know, see that person again?" And the response was, "Nope. Real solid, real, real, you know, grounded. Um, just completely calm." And the answer is no. And oh, so why? And the response was, that person is just not genuine. There was no abuse in in the interaction. I didn't leave the date early. It was a pleasant time talking to somebody, and yet her impression was that the person she was on the date with was just not genuine. Well, my experience of Glennon Doyle and Abby and Glennon's sister is they are thoroughly genuine and therefore they attract other people to interview or have discussions with that are thoroughly genuine. So if you're looking for real, raw, open to feeling and processing conversation or poetry, go to that podcast or look up the poetry of Andrea Gibson and um and enjoy and enjoy so our call in number is 563-999-3581 if you call that number and press 1 we can have a conversation If you don't, I will probably go back to reading some essays from the book A Walk in the Physical. Actually, I think what I'll do is um, is share by by reading it a poet a, a spoken word piece or a poem, however you want to talk about it, from Andrea Gibson. One of the one of the issues, one of the problems that most of us develop without even realizing it is that we shrink away from joy. We shrink away from gratitude and appreciation in life. We don't even realize it. A lot of us don't realize it. I have worked with some people who have been aware that they were directly, overtly told through their family or their culture to not enjoy life too much. And if they had an enjoyment in life, to stifle it and hide it. Don't be a tall poppy is one phrase. Right? Don't. Don't stand out from the crowd. One woman I know whose family of origin came from 
somewhere in Italy, in old country Italy. She said, the entire town knew that we had, you know, the, 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 the old people in the town would give you a curse. They would give you the evil eye if, if they thought you were bragging. So you, didn't, you knew better than to brag because the social pressure was so strong against thinking you're too good or bragging or whatever. So there are some people who know that they have been overtly told and trained not to enjoy life too much or if they are having some enjoyment in life to stifle it and not share it outwardly. And yet many of us live into this, grow into this, stumble into this without realizing we're doing it. And so here's a here's a spoken word piece from Andrea Gibson titled Ex- Acceptance Speech After Setting the World Record in Goosebumps. She says I wasn't by any means a natural. I was not one of those wow hounds born jaw-dropped. I was tough in the husk. I went years untouched by rain. I took shelter seriously, even and often especially in good weather. My tears like teenagers hiding under the hoods of my eyes so committed they were to never falling for the joke of astonishment. When I was told there were seven wonders of the world, I trusted the math. I believed I'd seen none of them. Of course, beauty hunted me. It haunts everyone. But I outran it. I hid in worry. I hid in regret. I hid in the promise of an afterlife or a week's end. And then one day, in a red velvet theater in New Orleans, I watched Maya Angelou walk on stage, 17 slow steps to the mic. She took a breath before speaking. I I could hear God being born in that breath. My every pore reached out like a hand, pointing to the first unsinkable lotus in the bio of, of the universe. I never felt anything like it. Upon getting home, I searched the encyclopedia for the feeling's name, Goosebumps. Afterward, I thought, I can do this. And I started training morning and night, crowbar swinging like a pendulum at the wall of my chest. I tore the caution tape off my life and let everything touch it. Alan Iverson on the television in his first season with the Sixers, his crossover as sharp as a V of sparrows flying through the paint like Michelangelo's brush. 
333 goosebumps. My baby sister, sober for the first time in 13 years, calling to tell me she just noticed our mother's eyes are green. 505 goosebumps. One day my friend scored tickets to a Prince concert. Tiny venue, I was right behind the sound booth. Prince's entire band that evening were women. At the end of the show, the sound person turned around and whispered, he didn't play a single song on his set list the whole night. I I live on stages. I know what it is to scratch a plan, but not the whole trip, and then still arrive at your destination 200 years before your time. 421 artists formerly known as Goosebumps. But that's just the fancy stuff. Some of them came from simple facts. It rains diamonds on Jupiter. 189 goosebumps. Blood donors in Sweden receive a thank you message for their blood when it's used. 301 Nordic goosebumps. One night in Michigan, my friend, still undiagnosed, could not uncurl her fingers to strum her guitar. So she sang the chords instead. It was the first time in my life I'd seen pain become an instrument. Ten dozen goosebumps for each and every note plucked from the string section of her refusal to silence her dream. After that, nothing in the world was great. Even the movie of my past was released in color. The oldest man in my hometown could not get to the door to listen to our carols, so we went inside and sang at his bedside instead. Twenty-four boots on the front step, catching snowflakes with their tongue. 776,000 goosebumps. At one point, everything started doing it. A sincere apology, goosebumps, an enemy's love poem, 222 goosebumps, the moon rising over the continental divide. My girlfriend and I thought it was a car driving off a cliff, and suddenly nothing in the world was dying. Have you ever felt that for a split second when nothing in the world is dying 888 goosebumps and the next day I sharpened my tiny axe so I could split the seconds myself too much lives in a moment not to feed it to the fire of the heart and slow in a Missoula treehouse filled with candlelight 143 goosebumps. The octopus documentary, 56 goosebumps multiplied by eight. The biggest dog in the shelter hiding behind a teacup chihuahua. And the woman who came to adopt a cat, taking all three of them home. 1,012 goosebumps. There is no escaping the magic now. Beauty caught me and will never let me go. And the thing about the world record is, if someone breaks it after me, and they will break it after me, I will love that so much that without even trying, 
I will break it again. Let the joy of life in and watch what happens. Breathe and soften and allow yourself to feel and watch what happens. Face the fear that allowing yourself to feel joy will hurt too much when it shifts to pain or sadness. Face it and watch what happens. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one is our number. Again, that is the spoken word piece or poem from Andrea Gibson. And the title of it is Acceptance Speech After Setting the World Record in Goosebumps. It's also available in one of her books titled You Better Be Lightning. You Better Be Lightning by Andrea Gibson. It's a book of her spoken word pieces, poetry, if you will. So, shifting gears ever so slightly, the next essay in line for us to read in the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg is Science and the Big Why, essay number 89. The essay reads, Science analyzes what is happening. It doesn't analyze why. Note that many people mistake causes for whys. Determining a cause and effect relationship between two things is not the same as truly understanding why that cause and effect relationship exists. As an example, scientists may ask, why did the ice melt? And their answer might be, because its temperature rose above 32 degrees Fahrenheit. They may then ask, why did its temperature rise above 32 degrees Fahrenheit? And they might determine an explanation for that as well. They may further question that explanation, and so on, and so on, to perhaps even hundreds of degrees of questioning. In material science, Every question asked must report an answer that is physical, as mainstream contemporary science and its language is only concerned about the content of this physical reality. As though in this physical reality, that's all that exists. However, materialist science will never arrive at a real answer 
by speaking in physical terms. Why? Because the entire physical reality system is derived from a non-physical source. There is nothing within the physical system that can explain why the entire system itself or any aspect of it is occurring. Science may go deeper and deeper into the rule set of this reality, and it may even identify universal physical laws and make certain wide-arching conclusions, but it will never be able to explain the entire system from within the system. As an example, if science wishes to explain the origin of the universe as the Big Bang, it cannot do so without still being unable to explain why the Big Bang occurred. We don't know. It is just that way. That is not an answer. The physical source or the non-physical source of this physical universe is consciousness. It is only through consciousness that a comprehension of the big why, quote, capital B-I-G, capital W-H-Y, close quotes, it's only through consciousness that a comprehension of the big why question can be attained. Fortunately, good news for you, you are consciousness. So you do have the ability to attain it. So, I have talked about this. <laughs> this is the book. I'm reading from the book. <laughs> I'm reading from the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And I have been talking about how Christian Sundberg referenced Thomas W. Campbell, who's a physicist and philosopher, etc. I went looking for some of Thomas W. Campbell's books and stumbled across the book titled My Big Toe. I listened to some interviews about it. I decided to buy the book listen to it on Audible, have it in Kindle so I can go back and reference it. It's this very, very deep dive into science and physics and philosophy and everything of it. And they keep talking about my big toe and how it's a big toe because it explains everything. If you have a, uh, a little toe, it only explains a small subset of everything. And I kept saying, I don't know why they call it a big toe, but that's, that's what they're doing, right? They're calling it a big toe. Okay. So somebody sent me another interview, a YouTube video interview about this, and I started listening to it. And the announcer, <laughs> this is how, this is how <clears throat> we can't see the forest for the trees or all we see is the forest and we don't see any individual trees. The announcer starts off somewhere in the first few minutes of this interview saying, 
my big theory of everything. So the word toe is an acronym for theory of everything. I've I've listened to 11 hours of this book. I've I've lost track of how many videos I listened to about this my big toe and this these theories and it never occurred to me that the my big toe is an acronym for my big theory of everything. And of course, I'm I acknowledge it, it strikes me as just hilariously funny also because the cover of the book has a picture of a human big toe. So so I completely missed that toe is an acronym for theory of everything. And my big toe is my theory of everything that explains everything, not just things from my unique perspective as an individual or a man or somebody who lives on the planet in 2023, etc. Just had to have that aside. Just started laughing and thought I should explain my laughter. If you can't see the forest for the trees and or you can't see a tree because you think it's nothing but a big solid forest, you're not alone. The next essay is titled why does 2 plus 6 equal 8? And the essay reads, Many who search for truth believe that it consists of some sort of knowledge as they believe understanding relationships between forms brings one closer to understanding, quote, what is, close quotes. For instance, knowing the equation for determining the area of a circle or understanding how chemicals will consistently interact with one another, or learning the names of geographic locations on Earth, or even something subjective like understanding social phenomenon, or something abstract like trying to understand if God is real. All of these tend to impart to one an ability to interact with, quote, reality, close quotes. Or, in parentheses, what the thinker perceives to be reality, close parentheses. And to interact with that with greater effectiveness. Such knowledge is therefore generally believed to move one closer to the truth. However, form cannot explain form except only to the illusory extent that we identify our grasping of the relationships between forms to be satisfying to us, or maybe not. But within the system, all you can do is explain the system within the context of the system. So it's like if you're talking to some fish, about the water and they've got no context for the water. Just like you talk to a a young human about air and they haven't had a science class and they don't know, they haven't felt, you know, they haven't seen these experiments that demonstrate that air has weight and mass and they're just breathing it all day. They're living in it. They have no way of describing it. Or they get to a certain level in their grade school class and they're starting to get 
classes that describe wind and they have a fan turn on and they feel the pressure and they go, oh, that's what, now we have some level of understanding. And you see, here's this invisible stuff that we breathe. It's called air, and when we move our hand, we can feel it. And when you turn a fan on, you can feel it more, and they think, oh, now I understand air. And they could be completely satisfied with that or not, but their understanding of air and what it is and how it got there is nothing like complete understanding. So whatever we come to understand in the realm of form can only explain it at the level of our illusion of it, of our creation of an experience of it, what we call our perception. And we've talked a lot on this show and in other support groups about how our perception is unique to each one of us. It's internally determined and is a product of our own thought, our own filters, our own choices of where to focus our attention. The essay goes on and says, even, quote, objective, close quotes, meaning repeatable and verifiable, proof of effectiveness only demonstrates that, that effectiveness within the local world. It just demonstrates its effectiveness. It doesn't explain why it's effective. We can understand more and more effectively how form relates to other form according to the rule set of our local reality but this is not true understanding. The real question then is not whether we understand or don't understand that 2 plus 6 equals 8. The real question is if we know why 2 plus 6 equals 8 even exists. Without that answer, there is no true knowledge. Since all form, all differentiation exists Within and by something else, the answer cannot be known without that something else. That something else is always existing. It's always transcendent. And that something else, according to this way of looking at it, is consciousness itself. Consciousness is inherently beyond form. Consciousness gives rise to the experience of form. It even sometimes seems to, quote, lose, close quotes, itself in the experience of form, in the experience of day and night and brain chemistry and coffee and language and pain. But it is fundamentally speaking completely formless. Fundamentally speaking, consciousness is transcendent, omnipresent, eternal, and immortal. Its existence gives rise to the form that can be understood from a local and well-defined perspective in the first place. That is why the truth can never be fully spoken or understood with the dualistic mind. Form and duality itself are transcended by that which gives rise to it all. That which transcends form and fully contains and creates all of it cannot then be named or explained by form. 
as the Taoist text, the Tao Te Ching, begins, quote, the Tao that can be spoken of is not the true Tao. The name that can be named is not the true name, close quotes. No one then can say with form, and form here means words, ideas, explanations, no one can say the why. No one will be able to articulate, quote, that answer, close quotes. But do you need them to? Here, this book is offering, you do not need them to. You are already consciousness. You are awareness already. All you need to do then is completely let go of all forms, all the understandings, all the beliefs, all the expectations, all the definitions and identities that you have wrapped yourself in over your lifetime and allow yourself to fall back into your transcendent, formless nature, which is already native to you. It's in you. It's part of you. It gave rise to you and it will never leave you. From that nature, all things are known just as they are. And that is more than enough. Now, I think a lot of people will hear that and think this is gibberish. I know people. I live around people. I've had people in my business networking group who absolutely believe there is nothing except physical matter, their physical body. I know people who still believe what Eben Alexander used to believe before he had a near-death experience, what Michael Rice would call a near-life experience. He used to believe, because he was in the medical field, that consciousness was simply the byproduct of random firings of nerves in a human brain. And he believed it as much as he believed that he could see his two hands at the end of his arms and he had two feet on the ground. He thought, this is the truth until he had an undeniable experience of the opposite. Even Alexander's book details how, medically speaking, his brain was completely offline. Physical brain was completely offline. His head, his brain, inside his cranium was flooded with infection and white blood cells. And when they did a spinal tap, it came shooting out his spine. His entire spinal column and his skull full of infection. And they had him on life support for his other organs, and they were ready to take him off of that. And then he came back online, and the infection disappeared, and his brain, quote, recovered, close quotes. And he had a story about what had happened while he was physically dead, in quotes, physically, which cannot be explained. He knew things, he remembered things, he had experience of things that actually were experienced by the people, the physical people around him, his family and doctor mem- doctors in the 
hospital in rooms where he wasn't his body wasn't resting at the time etc he he heard things he saw things he remembered things that he would have no way of knowing if there was only the physical body and i know people in my life today who still believe what Ibn Alexander believed before his near-death experience. There is nothing except our physical body. The only thing that's important is how much money you have in your bank account. The only thing important is whether or not you look pretty or handsome or people respect you. The only thing that's important is which political party do you align with, etc., 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 This reading that I just did in this last essay says the truth of life is far deeper, richer, broader than anything your conscious logical mind can comprehend and anything that words could ever describe. I sent that podcast I was talking about to a, 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 very, a very few people, very few select people today that I thought might resonate with it for various reasons. And I said, when I sent it to them, to my eye and ear, this goes beyond words. This is beautiful and deep and powerful beyond words. I don't have any words for saying that it's just as, I, I was so moved by this. I don't, I don't even have words for how I was moved. And in my academic and social circles, people say I'm pretty good with words, that I'm a fairly effective communicator, and I'm left with no way to describe this. That's what this essay is talking about. If I put words on it, if I try to communicate it, if I think I'm going to be effective at communicating an experience to someone who has not had the experience, I'm really missing the boat. I'm really missing the target. That's why we do this Internet show and these support groups. That's why it's so powerful when somebody comes on the support group like Audrey did last night and says, I want some support. I'm willing to do a worksheet process. There aren't really any words for what happens in that. We can talk around it and about it. We can say pretty words around it, but it doesn't touch the experience of moving from a an 8 out of 10 level upset, again, what does that mean? Uh, it's just words. But moving from a very high level of upset, physically, mentally, and emotionally, down to calm. I believe I made notes about it. And, and at the end of the worksheet, Audrey said she feels calm, smooth, gentle, like on an ocean just floating peacefully. Oh, there's some nice words, but does that really tell us how she felt? No. It can't communicate the experience to us. It's just words. And the purpose of these support groups and this Internet show 
is to give you the tools that you could use. You could apply these tools in your own life to usher yourself into an experience that goes beyond words. And we hope you do that. We hope you do it soon and often. Why do we hope you do that? Because I personally have been doing it for almost 19 years now. I count at, at August. I'll, I'll, I'll finish my 19th year of doing this work. And I can say unequivocally, unequivocally that the quality of my life has improved beyond what words can describe. But what I can say is I spend the tiniest fraction of my life experiencing negative emotional states today compared to what I did even 10 years ago, much less 19. And as one of my favorite songs from Peter Mayer talks about, Everything is holy now. That song lyrics read, When I was a boy each week, on Sunday we would go to church. We would pay attention to the priest, and he would read the holy word. And he would consecrate the holy bread, and everyone would kneel and bow. Today, the only difference is Everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. When I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time that Moses split the sea in two and Jesus made the water wine. And I, I remember feeling sad. I was sad that miracles don't happen still. And now... Now, I can't keep track because everything's a miracle. Everything, everything, everything's a miracle. Water from wine is not so small, but an even bigger magic trick is that anything is here at all. And so the challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles, but finding where there isn't one. When holy water was rare at best, it barely wet my fingertips. But now, I actually have to hold my breath. It's like I'm swimming in a sea of it. To me, this used to be a world only half there, heaven's second-rate hand-me-down. But now, I walk it with a reverent air, because everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. Read a questioning child's face and say that that's not a testament. That would be very hard to say. See another new morning come and say it's not a sacrament. I tell you that can't be done. This morning outside I stood and I saw a little red-winged bird 
This thing was shining like a burning bush and singing like a scripture verse. It made me want to bow my head. I remember when church let out. Boy, how things have changed since then. Everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. And that was brought to my attention after reading Andrea Gibson's spoken word piece titled Acceptance Speech Acceptance Speech After Setting the World Record in Goosebumps. And if you haven't heard that, I read it earlier in the show, and you know how to look it up now because you've got the title and the author. You can actually go to YouTube and find a video of her reading it, doing the spoken word piece of it. Area code 541. Is this to Linda? Yes, it is. Welcome. I'm imagining Susan is laughing right now. How are you? Why are you imagining Susan laughing? Because I am. <laughs> All right. Why are you laughing? Because of, what, because, of, because of what she said once about she thought it was so funny. <laughs> That when I get on, it's always yes, it is. <laughs> I know well, we do have our patterns. We do have yeah, our patterns. Our patterns and our patter. <laughs> I want to thank you for reading the Andrea Gibson thing this morning. It actually brought tears to my eyes, and I had to keep my breath moving. Um, it just hit me right dead center in the heart. I, I really am grateful you read that. And the gentleman who wrote the song, what was his name? Peter Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. And, and he's a folk he singer a... from he's a folk singer from Minnesota. There's another Peter Mayer in the music industry who's played with the uh, Coral Reefer Band and Jimmy Buffett. But this is a different one. This is the folk singer from Minnesota, Peter Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. And what was the, does, do you remember the title of the song? The title of that song is Holy Now, two words. Oh, good. I'm going to look it up. I hope it's on YouTube. It is, absolutely. Holy words? Okay. Holy Great. Now, N-O-W. Oh, Holy Now, right. Got it. As really in, everything is holy now. All right, perfectly. Perfect, perfect. Uh, had you ever thought about uh, interviewing Andrea Gibson? <laughs> well, I, I, I can report to you that I have reached out to Richard Rohr since we had our our um, show yesterday and, and people were recommending that, so I am, I'm waiting on a response from there. Um, no, I had not thought about interviewing her. Um, I'm still kind of just reverberating from listening to her longer than an hour conversation with Glennon Doyle and Abby. And so 
so I'll let that sink in for a while before I decide whether or not to reach out to her. She has quite a bit going on in her life right now, as as is indicated in the interview. So, so this was the podcast that she mentioned. It's a podcast, and the, the podcast is titled "We Can Do Hard Things" with Glennon Doyle and Abby and Glennon's sister. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. We can do hard things. Perfect. Um, I wanted to share with you a couple of things that uh, resonated from both the support group and then yesterday's show with Susan. That um, The one when you and Susan were talking about the Enneagram, I had exactly the same, well, I don't know if it was the same, but I had similar experience to being introduced to the Enneagram that you had with it. I was just like, isn't this rather complicated? (laughs) And I've noticed that I am more and more and more going to kiss. Keep it simple, sweetie. Um, Just basic. Give me the basics. Give me the kindergarten version uh, that works for me. I, I really like the Myers-Briggs. I think I got everything I wanted out of that in relation to my uh, typing from that. Uh, and so I really appreciate that. But it was it made me chuckle when you said, I, I just couldn't go there. <laughs> for my For me, it would be like saying, Oh, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole here, never ending falling rabbit hole. And so, and also what felt so delineating, so nailing my toes to the ground. And that's always been an uncomfortable feeling for me. All right. Well, I'm, I join you in that. I, I may because it was so strongly recommended again by Sandy Wilder, who I interviewed earlier this week, I may take another attempt at uh, understanding it or integrating it, and maybe not. It all depends on how life unfolds. Yeah, and who you are, and and I'd love to um, hear how it pertains to you as you explore it again. Um, I think the more I listen to others about their life experiences, the more I come to the conclusion that life is sh- oh, the world is wide and life is short. <laughs> and I'll save the other things for next time because I see we're close to the end. All right. Well, thank you for the comments and the call as always. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice and turn on her microphone. Thank you, go. Dr. Keith. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get my headset plugged in. So thank you very much. I hope you have a good weekend. Thanks, you too. Blessings. Thank you. Thanks. So welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Sisters Radio and today is Friday and it's June the 2nd, 2023 and our call-in number is 
3581 and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. I'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I have, I told Michael I have um, three things I want to read out of before I turn it over to him today. Uh, the first one, of course, is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer and continue reading on the lucid self. And, you know, yesterday we were um, discussing in from the book how, um, let me scroll down here to my notes, about getting lost in the experience instead of staying conscious and aware of the experience. And, and they used the example of being at the movie theater. Um, so that is what you would think when you go to one of those advanced movies, that such a movie you would first get to select which character you want to be. Let's say you decide, I'll be James Bond. But once you push the button, that's it. The button had better be uh, on a timer. You, as you currently know yourself, are no longer there. Since all of your thoughts are now James Bond's thoughts, your entire existing self-concept is gone. Remember, your self-concept is just a collection of thoughts about yourself. Likewise, your emotions are bonds, and you are watching the movie through his visual and auditory perspective. The only aspect of your being that remains the same is the consciousness that is aware of these objects. It is the same center of awareness that was aware of your old set of thoughts, emotions, and sensory input. Now someone turns off the movie. Immediately, bonds, thoughts, and emotions are replaced with your old set of thoughts and emotions. You're back to thinking that you're a, say, 40-year-old woman. All the thoughts match. All the emotions match. Everything looks like, smells like, tastes like, feels like it did before. But that doesn't change the fact that it is all just something consciousness is experiencing. It is all just objects of consciousness, and you are the consciousness. What differentiates a conscious-centered being from a person who is not so conscious is simply the focus of their awareness. It is not a difference in the consciousness itself. All consciousness is the same, just as all light from the sun is the same. All awareness is the same. Consciousness is neither pure nor impure. It has no qualities. It's just there, aware that it's aware. The difference is that when your consciousness is not centered within, it becomes totally focused on the objects of consciousness. When you are a centered being, however, your consciousness is always aware of being conscious. Your awareness of being is independent of the inner and outer objects you happen to be aware of. And I'm going to stop there in his book. And I was looking for some other things yesterday. I was looking for a quote or something. And I ran across a part out of Psychology Today. And I want to read part of it. It's called Bringing Yourself Back. You know, just like we were talking about that you could get lost in the movie and, you know, that all the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings and the sounds and everything and that you're part of it and you've lost yourself and the more senses and everything that are used seems like the more lost you can be. Well, you can do the opposite to bring yourself back. So this says, when wherever you are and whatever you're doing, there are always three different things that you can do with your attention. You can give it to the thought chatter in your head. That's what we've been talking about, the voice that goes on in the head all the time. And so it's a stream of mental associations, the images, memories, 
future projections, the worries, etc., that runs through our minds when our attention isn't occupied. Second, you can choose to immerse your attention in tasks or distractions, such as TV programs, magazines, the Internet, or a hobby. Busyness is what that one is. Or, thirdly, you can give your attention on your actual present experience. That is, focus your attention on your actual surroundings and the experiences you have in those surroundings. You can think of these as three states. You can think of these three states as the three A's. Abstraction, in other words, immersion in thought chatter. Absorption, which is in activities or distractions. And awareness, the conscious attention to the experience. It isn't completely cut and dried, of course. In a state of abstraction or absorption, you're usually still in a state of partial awareness, too. For example, even if you're daydreaming or listening to an audiobook while jogging, you're obviously still aware of your surroundings to a degree, enough to pay attention to the traffic or to keep to your normal route. But usually, this is only a very basic and functional awareness. The largest proportion of your mental energy is given up to absorption or abstraction. Being present equates with a state of well-being. It enables us to perceive beauty and wonder in the world around us. And in a sense, being present means being truly alive. Our lives only consist of the present. The past and the future are only abstractions, which don't really exist. There is never anything except their experience in the present moment. So if you're not aware, if we're not aware of our experience in the present, if we're in a state of absorption or abstraction, then in a sense we're not really living. Whenever you realize that you're in abstraction or absorption, try to make a habit of bringing yourself back to the present, not too rigidly or too harshly, but with what I call a gentle mental nudge. Whenever you realize that you've been immersed in thought chatter, gently withdraw your attention from it and refocus on your surroundings and your experience. Focus on the room you're in and the objects and the other people around you and on the sounds you can hear. Look at the color and the shape of the objects and the relationship to each other. Feel the texture of the table you're sitting at, the pen you're writing with, or the carpet your feet are on. Make a conscious effort to smell, perhaps the room or the street filled with smells that you weren't aware of but which are quite perceptible. Do the same whenever you feel the impulse to immerse your attention in distractions or activities. If you don't do this gently and you jolt your attention away from thought chatter, you'll generate resistance, which will make it difficult for you to be present. So rather than forcing yourself, just gently guide yourself back into the present and reorient yourself there. Now that was out of Psychology Today, and I've put a link to that in the notes for today. And now the third thing I want to read is actually a portion of a chapter out of my book, and the chapter is called Be Aware. And it has several things that I have personally identified as things I need to be aware of. But the first one, to become aware of what is real. Now, my book has to do a lot around sexual abuse. When I was 
16 to 19 years old. So I go on to say, this sexual abuse impacted so many areas of my life outside of the bedroom. A good example, 44 years past the last event of abuse, I was facilitating a breath session with several people, and the lady I was coaching started thrashing and screaming and pulling out her hair. I was attempting to hold her and speak calming to her to bring her back to actuality. In this wild state, she was so much stronger than me, and I was concerned she was going to hurt herself and me. She was so activated by the reality in her mind that she was beyond reasoning, and her behavior was pure madness. While outwardly, I looked in control. Inside, I was losing it that my inside turmoil matched her outside behavior. I was silently screaming. I was thrashing. I was going insane, hurting myself. Pure madness. As soon as my partner came over and took over, took control of the situation, I fled upstairs to my room. I knew enough to know that in the state that I was in, I would be no good to the other participants. I was physically shaking by now and in tears. I called a friend who happens to also be a psychologist, and I told him about the lady and the situation downstairs. He knew by my voice that I was lost in my own panic. He stopped me, knowing the situation upstairs was the only one that I could change. He said, Jeannie, take three deep breaths, and he paused while I did that. Now, look around the room that you're in. Name three things that you can see. And he paused. Now name three things that you can hear. And he paused while I did that. Three things that you things that you can smell. Now breathe deeply. Then we did it all again. When he was finally convinced that I was now actually present, then he began to walk me through my thoughts that were behind my feeling of panic and fear. What came out in this process had nothing to do with the lady downstairs. But I recalled when my first husband came so absorbed in his reality, he would be crazy and things would go out of my control and then I got physically hurt. I was not strong enough to defend and talking did nothing to make a change in the resulting pain. My need to survive was strong and the thought that I wouldn't make it was equally strong. I remained in the abusive situation for three years and when I finally got out, I pushed all those emotions and thoughts deep down, hoping to never go there again. I went about my life controlling as much as I could in my environment to stay safe. And when things got beyond my control, fear and panic set in, often masked behind anger. I realized that is how he won over me by exhibiting fierce anger. I despise the anger when it comes up, when I think that I'm cornered and I need to come out fighting. When I'm afraid, my first instinct is to look for a reason to leave, whether it is to leave the bedroom, leave the house, or leave my body. This is my default in order to protect myself. This lady was my perfect trigger. She outwardly portrayed what was inside of me all these years. I know that I must remove the pure madness in order to stop recreating it in my world. I must embrace it to heal it. I must give myself permission to feel what is real. Can I do that? 
Can I learn to do reality checks to become more aligned with actuality and reinforce distinctions of present situation from past experience? And the chapter goes on, but that part is exactly what I just read out of the psychology today and what we read out of Michael Singer. And it is, you know, we get lost in our pictures that are built out of our past. And to bring yourself back present. And to do that, this is one of the simplest exercises to look around, use all of your senses and name things that you can see, that you can hear, that you can feel, that you can touch. And bring yourself back present and realize that what you're experiencing emotionally and mentally is based in a past experience. It has nothing to do with the present experience except that the present experience was a trigger. And so a huge lesson for me was to slow down the inner chatter that was, is advising me of what is real and to not get lost in the past and confuse it with the present based on expectations and perception. To stay present, open my eyes, and to breathe deeply. And I'll now turn it over to Michael. Yay. So you've just described the perfect example of going unconscious. And what happens when there's something inside of us that we haven't resolved that just grabs us by the face and becomes what we think is true and real. And one of the things about something that's highly charged that's moving in the mind is that when it's moving, unless we can link to something, either being or to something external as you did in that, uh, in that particular case, I assume it was Dr. Tim that supported you in that phone call, that it you're was. linking to something in the actual world, then it seems like the only frequency, the only vibration is available is this picture, horrific picture with all kinds of trauma resonated by something in the world and getting lost in that particular energetic pattern. And one of the, uh, the reasons for the forgiveness process is that each time that you can bring that core energy up in the presence of active love, whether that active love is your own or someone else, whether that someone else is in the room with you or that someone else is on the other side of the country. And when someone else or yourself can tap into that presence of love, and you know, if you look at the steps in the worksheet, the step before you cancel the goal, do the core of the forgiveness process, you bring love present within yourself. That, and, and this is why so often I've talked about having the practice of keying into and developing relationship with yourself as love so that you can hold that self present. And the corollary to that, so that's one half of the journey. The other half of the journey is the forgiveness process, which weakens the voice or the, you know, the screaming memes that are going on in the mind so that you can stay conscious in being. And so both, both parts are part of the resolution, the strengthening of the knowledge and awareness of self as love, spending time 
really breathing in that space and tapping into the presence of love and sourcing thoughts from love. And then when something comes along that triggers the raging, screaming mind with its old unresolved pain, sometimes generational, and, you know, when you describe that uh, which was moving in you, and realizing things like the fact that your mom as a child found herself in a situation where she was forced to go into a movie theater uh, while her mother worked and spend hours there with, uh, I guess what you could say were probably some pretty strange men, that uh, very likely there were generational patterns involved. You know, go back and think about grandmother and some of the things that she'd shared with you that she'd been through. And so strengthening the capacity to stay present as active love. That's why that that phrase always when I use it is conscious, active, present love. That it is not just, you know, some kind of nicey, nice belief about love, but that it is really, truly standing present as that space and allowing whatever unresolved energetic patterns there are from, say, situations like this sort of abuse, two together, and the more powerfully I can hold love present, the more I'm going to be able to weaken the pattern that's based in the pain and trauma. That's really kind of the core of the whole body of work, doing both sides of that process becomes key. Does that fit and make sense? And do you have any thoughts to add to that? Makes total sense. Yep, for sure. So what has that resonated for anybody? That just took up 20 minutes. We still have 40 minutes to go. Good question. Offer a comment. How can we support you? We have a hand up. I believe Let's go it for it. Miss, Miss Audrey, 520, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. This Welcome. is Audrey. Yes. Yay. I wanted, I wanted to uh, say uh, thank you, Michael and Jeannie, for your service work to, to all. Last night, I joined the support group and Dr. Tim and others awesome. were there loving me, guiding me through the process of the worksheet. And I realized that I am magnificent being in a state going from a master in embryo in my thought system to a mastery and there was a transcendence that took place during the process where I became the experiencer of the experience, which is beyond words, and that the tool does work. And I just wanted to tell everyone if they are in a state like I was before the worksheet, please just show up 
uh, whether the show up, that's it. There, the book, yeah, just show up. It works. Yeah, show up and enter into the practices. You know, there are there are so many tools connected with this work, and each one of them gives us a little more strength and power to step out of the old generational trauma patterns and step into that space of active present love. So, yes, show up and participate, engage. You know, it's, it's like uh, if, you're, if you're going to, um, let's say you decide you want to become a world champion weightlifter, you can't say to somebody else, well, you go into the, into the gym and you lift weights for me and then I'll win the championship. You have to go into the gym yourself. And literally the gym is, is that of consciously entering one's own internal dynamics, one owns unconscious mind. And there's no tool that I know of in all the world like this one that Yeshua created 2,000 years ago, that when used consistently and persistently empowers, to consi- empower us, empowers us pardon me, to consistently and persistently enter into our own unconscious dynamics. And that's the exercise room. And as we work with those, that strengthens, so to speak, the spiritual muscle and it weakens the presence of trauma, not just for you, but for your generations. So we're not doing this just for ourselves. Yes, and it's true freedom. And yes. thank you for all your service, all beings, both linear and nonlinear. Honored and delighted. You know, Jonas Salk, who invented the Salk vaccine, said something that I think is far more important than the impact of the Salk vaccine, and that is he said, the most important thing to be is a good ancestor. And a good ancestor is one who does exactly what you just said you did. You're opening the space to weaken the energetic patterns based in trauma held by the generations and strengthening the capacity to show up in your own mind and body as the presence of active love. It's a monumental gift to give your bloodline. Yes, and I like the word raising the pond. And when I picture the pond, I picture molecules. And the molecules are all beings, all souls. And when one consciousness is raised, it's transcendent, so is it with all. Thank you. Delighted, young lady. Glad to be on the team and glad to have you doing your work. Blessings. It's a pretty awesome gift to give the world. All right. Well, you have a blessed one. Thanks for joining us. All right. Well, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue? Go for it. I was just going to say 563-999-3581 and press 1. And that puts you in the queue. And we have a hand up, and I believe it's Miss Susan. Hi. Let's go for it. Hi. Hey. Welcome. I've been on the show, but I haven't been on the show. We've had our chimney repaired, and I'm in and out, and I, I didn't hear anything of the wonderful stuff 
you started reading, Jeannie, but I wanted to say happy birthday unless nobody else said it already. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Michael big deal. Me, yeah. Michael took me to breakfast this morning, and then we picked up Aria, and then we're going to, after the radio show, we have plans to paint the bench that's in our flower garden. He wants to do it as a rainbow, and then we're going to go bowling. the right month for that. Yeah. So we've got big plans for the day. How nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank we're, you. We're fellow Geminis, so yeah. yours is just great. Mm. Yours is right after mine. Yeah. So I'm Resolving glad. Trauma. I'm glad you're. And Say healing. that again, Michael. Resolving trauma and healing as we celebrate. Great. You feeling good, Jeannie? I have just a tiny bit of a sore throat left. I'm still eating um, Ricola cough drops. <laughs> and, oh, boy. Uh, but but I have gotten at least seven hours of sleep for the last three nights, so that's awesome. That is so impressive. You yeah. know, you said you wear a Fitbit, and I'm afraid I have I have a watch that I got as a little reward for filling out a survey, and it's a similar thing, and they measure measure how much you slept and the first night I used it it slept it said I slept for an hour and a half with 15 minutes of deep sleep and I thought I'm not doing this anymore that's too discouraging <laughs> ouch yeah I keep, I, probably, uh, keep probably not an accurate so. assessment yeah well it, it was um, a bad night but I, I just I'm afraid to use it because I don't want to get that much bad news I'd rather just figure I did better than that and <laughs> let it go with that. <laughs> go for it. Yeah, it oh, man. Track of my steps and, you know, how much I walk and, and uh, my oxygen level and uh, my right. heart rate. So it comes in handy when I'm out in the garden. Michael will say, what's your heart rate? You know, and I'll look at my watch, and if it's too high, then it means, okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, right. And it does it do glucose, too? Uh, no, it does not. Yeah. But I do my glucose every morning. I uh, do my finger stick. Oh, you do? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Good for you. This one reads it right off your wrist. Huh. And it gives you a number that I don't understand. It's not in the hundreds. It's like it's an A1 or something they call it. I don't know what that means. Your A1C is what they... Um, it's basically what your glucose has been over a three-month span, I think. And that's what they determine when they say whether you're diabetic or pre-diabetic or whatever. Yeah. Well, I tell you, not good to spend too much time watching those numbers, I think. You get a ballpark, you behave yourself, and you forget it. That's my Do your work. anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Well, I'm sorry I can't, you know, make comments or something uh, on <laughs> on the reading because I missed so much of it. In and out. Tim oh. and I had our 55th wedding anniversary yesterday. And well, congratulations. Well, happy anniversary. Thanks. Yay. And I turned 79 the day before, so I'm already talking to myself about the number 80 and how beautiful it is. The number eight is Exciting. shining blue. Yeah. So 
Uh, anyway. And actually, the number eight is like the infinity symbol, too. I know. I love that. And you add a zero. Yeah. Your most zero empowered decade yet. Number. Yep. That's going to be the way it is. So Awesome. <laughs> anyway, my, anyway, I had a niece. I had a niece this morning that um, texted me and wished me happy birthday and asked how I was doing. I told her I was coming out the other side of a healing crisis and it took a few minutes and she wrote back and she goes, I had to Google healing crisis to see what that was. <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful concept. You are never unhealthy. You're always healing. And what's amazing is and it's really not amazing, but it is. Um, you know the the whole thing that I've been going through has been like the front of my throat. You know my throat itself and swallowing and and all of that. Mm-hmm. But once that started, the pain in the back of my neck ceased, and it is still gone. So, so you know, it's, Michael had said, you know, that's where I was holding the trauma, and as it released through my throat, you know. So I think yeah. that's just awesome. It is awesome. Congratulations. Thank Boy. you. Yeah. How are you, Michael? Pretty amazing. I am well. <laughs> Good. I am well. We are uh, enjoying some beautiful, you know, early summer days, and uh, garden is moving awesomely. We ate our first ripe tomato this morning. Oh, we shared yeah. it for Jeannie's eternal day. It was our early breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Oh, well, you guys are spring chickens, but still, I wish you could see our teeny garden. It's nothing like yours, but it is busting with arugula and um, collards. And nice. I don't know what collards that's are, awesome. but that's what I planted. Yeah, we're eating these humongo salads right out of the garden. Awesome. Nice. Very cool. Yep. Real foods. Real Pretty food. important. So, All right. Well, anything else on your mind for today? No. I mean, life seems so amazing, just so gorgeous and amazing. It is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, so, please tell Tim that we wish him a happy anniversary as well and extend our love in his direction as well as yours. Yeah. I should tell you. Uh, we, I had a most amazing birthday. It was all these surprises. I told Dr. Tim, so I'm kind of repeating for those who might listen to both, but in the morning, five women and a man who we see in the park when we walk the dogs all came and sang happy birthday at the first thing in the morning. And then a neighbor brought over a bottle of roses. And then my exercise class people, one is a niece. So she knew, and so they sang me happy birthday. And then my cool. support group, one of them knew, and so they were talking about birthdays. And and then at night we went to this seafood restaurant, and my son, his wife, my sister, and my son's kids. Um, too bad my daughter lives so far away, but we were all there. Next to us was a, a table with three very, very fancily dressed black women, who, and I say color only because we are a happily mixed city. This city is really quite wonderful in its um, mixture of white and non-white people. And they were Sweet. sitting there, and one of them, 
And two of them started singing to the third one, Happy Birthday. So we joined right in because why not, you know? And they said, wow, you're, you're singing to us. And I said, well, now you can sing to me because it's my birthday. And so we all had this festival. It felt like nice. pure, pure love. And then Yay. two tables down, another table busted out singing because somebody over there was having a birthday. It was very, everybody was making love about nine months ago, I think. There was an awful lot of <laughs> shenanigans going on. Nice. So it was just such a gorgeous, one of the happiest birthdays ever. So um, The fruit of your work, young lady. All right. We have a blessed one, and yeah. we extend our love in your direction and, and hold the space for this to be the absolute best year yet of your eternal life. I'm planning on it. Yes, indeed. Thank you. All okay. right. Well, have a blessed carry one. On. Thank you. Okay, blessings. You too, Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah, bye. Well, we have another hand up, and I believe it's Ron. I haven't heard from him in a while. 781, you are on the air. How are you doing, young man? Brother Hello. Ron, it's been a while since we've heard your voice. Welcome. I know. It's really nice. Great to, to hear be from you. With you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's nice to be on the line with you. Uh, so what's exciting? What's yeah. happening in your world? A lot. There's a lot happening. Um, very, um, a lot of amazing uh, blessings. I, I um my Grace is um, going off to – she got accepted to the uh, Honors College at the University of Massachusetts, and she's going to be going there in September. Wow. And, uh, That's my Ronnie. I know. I knew that would, I knew that would be uh, – I, I knew that would elicit a, a response. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I remember driving you and Jeannie to the airport with her in the car seat, and you uh, – at my request, you know, offering a special blessing to her as you got out of the car. It was so sweet. Um, a lifetime was ago. Was that the same year that you picked us up and we got in front of the church just in time to for Michael to walk up on the platform? Yes, yes. That was it. And, um, the following morning after that was what I was talking about. Yeah, I still, yes, yes, I, I reference that uh, in my mind often. That's right. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, little Ronnie is six and a half, and, and um, oh, actually beyond more than six and a half, he'll be seven in August, and he's in first grade. And, and Sabrina and I are reaching new depths in our married life. We've been um, in, a, in a pretty intensive, uh, we've kind of had an intensive that's been going on for going on two years here in a way and we've been doing couples therapy and you know we kind of had uh right towards the end of covid we had some stuff really kind of hit the fan in uh in our marriage and and so we've been uh learning you know healing together really and uh nice. creating a a gentler space and and the, and more tools and even, you know, just today, the last 24 hours have been kind of profound, you know, just as we've, I mean, just um, relearning how to be with each other and talk to each other and and be, create a safe space for each other. 
And uh, it's not been easy, um, but it's really been wondrous. You know. Very cool. Um, yeah. And well, I'm course, excited for you. One. Thank you. I, I got a whammo um, when I just before I pressed one. I, I I heard actually before I um, dialed into the show. I was I got I, I heard you talk about healing trauma. I I've I've been now five and a half years with a a startup uh, that's no longer such a startup, and um, I've had a lot of uh, emotion this week and and pushing um, to. Um, to um, be just be more effective, um, you know, do do more with less trauma. Do relying a lot on Course of Miracles, doing having a lot of um, and I found myself, you know, really giving myself a hard time this week, and then kind of having a breakthrough last night and feeling like a new level of vitality. I've had a few like new level of vitality experiences recently, um, and I feel my capabilities uh, expanding in, in ways. And then just before I called in, I, I had this, you know, this this kind of a it was a company like mine. It's kind of a a lot of um, this kind of cultish like success, you know, um, driving kind of. And good, nice people, you know, good people all trying to to do something uh, in the marketplace, um, and then uh, and succeed. And 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 um, I had this. So I had these. This kind of. I felt very depressed the last couple of days, and I felt really good as I kind of had my breakthroughs last night, and um, and then this morning I started to be able to comprehend what I needed to do. And then I had this email from someone who's new. And um, did you just text me? Oh, good. I did. Oh, good. Um, oh, yes, I've, I do have that. I've watched that more times than I could count. Um, okay. So the, the long story short, uh, I got an email. I got a long story long, sorry. I um, Someone reached out to me, and they asked me what's, like, kind of what's, how to address me in a situation and I I acted like I didn't it wasn't important to me and I gave a couple of options and of course she took the least um uh like the the the, the kind of least like the almost like I feel like I got a demotion kind of option and and put and she took like the more important one and all of a sudden I got this uh wave of shame and, and, um, you know, just really got hit with something, um, inside. And, uh, so I, I looked down, I have your, I have the mind shifters taped to my desk. Right. So I can, I look down at them at any time. And I, and the one I, that my eyes went to was, um, uh, was that the craziness in our house is healing us all. So I started to adapt that and I just started putting down I wrote the sadness, vengeance, <laughs> losing feeling, fight, disgust, uh and vindictiveness and hate is healing us all. And um and I just started that what started to come up on 
the right is just someone dominated me. Someone um, put me in my place. Someone, and I, and I had these punishment thoughts. Like I wanted to ridicule her for, I wanted to find someone that I could gossip about her too. Um, and then I thought about being a boy and, um, and I thought about, you know, boy, I want to be able to support Ronnie as he goes through his childhood and, and adolescence to, to learn how to deal with, um, you know, when he feels like he loses or feels like he's, you know, defeated or overpowered. I have this sense of like this feeling of being a loser, being like, you know, I, I get pictures of, you know, father, I get pictures of just being a, a boy in the culture. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think if I came up with a goal, it would be to be important, but I don't, I don't know. Would be value to be, to have my, to have a right to my space. Hmm. It sounds like maybe even with, with the language that you use that maybe it tips a little more in the direction of being honored. Okay. And then looking looking at that, uh, is it a projection of the the you know if you if you looked at it objectively, were you dishonoring her? Yeah. With the way you responded. So it might be a projection around being honored and, and dishonoring. And that's the kind of the sense that I get. And so that might be the direction you take your worksheet and and look at that. And then it, it sounds like what came up with was, what came up for you was some vengeance. And yeah, the willingness to move that vengeance. You know, I hear you talking about some of the crazy stuff that's been going on in the family system. And I remember some of the early experiences you've shared with me over the years with, with your family of origin that uh, it might be time for letting go of a new level or letting go on a new level anything to do with vengeance. You know, what, what would your life be like if no matter what anybody did, I mean, most terrible behavior, that if you had no capacity to even conceive of vengeance of any kind, what, how different would your life be? How different would your relationship be, the energy be with your children and your world? Yeah, it, it would be a lot. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty big piece. Sounds like it. Sounds like it might be beneficial to pick up and do a responsibility communication with her. Yeah. That that would really open a, a an internal space. Yeah. Yes, I can see. I was um, it seemed part of my upset was dishonoring myself um, because I didn't I had an opportunity to ask for the space that I've earned and that I have 
and then I I didn't ask for it. I I offered a choice between that or a couple of other ones, and you know she was happy to to declare what she's earned and asked for, and was happy to give me the lesser. Um, and I set that up. And I also realized I went into it if you if you could if there was a Fitbit for um, for my judgments, you would it would read out that even before I interfaced with her, I already had judgments about her and was already probably dishonoring her energetically. I thought it was a dishonoring bit. <laughs> Did, um, has it ever felt like, or if you check into it, if you looked at your mom as a power person, do you feel like you're ever dishonored by your mother? Oh, my God, yeah. I noticed I didn't include her in my list. Probably no coincidence. No coincidence. Um, yeah. In the, in the extreme. Um, yeah. So what would life look like if in a situation where whatever types of abuse have or could possibly happen, what if you couldn't do anything except except stand as a space of love, whether it's your wife, whether it's this person at work, whether it's your mom? Breathing with you. What if you were to give up even the capacity to raise your voice in interaction with your wife? What would it take to do that? Yeah, I got a visual of clipping some wires. I I, I perceive this is a a source of. Um, I have a phenomenal relationship with also perceive an edge there um, more often than I like, and uh, I perceive this is. The stuff of that edge. Mm. Yeah. So your job it's as a, a dad is to, if grace does anything that resonates a space other than loving you, is to be so. Johnny on the spot at healing yourself that you can only stand as that space of love and that you identify only with her as that being of love, whatever her mind, her words, 
her behavior is. I think is. that's a key word. I think that word identify is a key word. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a key word of, in this situation I described of me identifying with my title or me identifying with this construct I have in my mind about my position. And that happens in the family too, you know, like, you know, or, you know, that kind of crap. And um, um, that kind of, uh, you know, identification with, not with love, but with, not with light, but with like some patterned, predecided, uh, competitive space. Um, and so identifying with it, it's like, you know, Sabrina and I had a sweet morning, but there was a moment where she looked frustrated over something and and I, I watched myself kind of just identified with my upset and then I thought I don't have to be, I wasn't calling it that, but I watched myself kind of have this upset and then I'm really working on allowing, you know, learning how to, to allow somebody to, well, I guess holding a space of love and, and one of the ways I'm, one of, some of the words I'm using for that is allowing someone to feel what they feel and not make it about me because particularly with my mom, good Lord, she grew up in a, in a you know, a lot of craziness in her house, um, like extreme and with alcoholism yeah. and so forth. So um, it was, you know, being a little boy, it, it was, I didn't, you know, there's a lot of, me making me making it about me. I you know, I remember you know thinking of a funny one, Michael, is um my first trip to Heartland, which was twenty something years ago now. Um right. the first day the first day you wrote on a whiteboard and you wrote two stick figures of a, a mother and a father. And um and in between the two stick figures was a little one a little one in between them while the while the two mother and father stick figures were in conflict the little one was upset and thinking it's because of me, and I lost it. I started to weep like uncontrollably, and you said, "Well, we were going to do still um, point breathing at the end of the week, but I think we're going to do it today." <laughs> it was, was today, like, yes, yep, <laughs> yeah. Everybody it wasn't coming up for up a few days it. yet, but we're on it now. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. It might not have been the first day, but it was. It was. Uh, it was early. It was like maybe just early in the day, but you said, "Yeah, you remember that?" Yeah. So was, I do. I think yeah. that's that's a that's a real. Um, I I remember somebody was comforting me and and uh, said, "Look what a powerful healer you are." The whole room is on their back. <laughs> You're a, yeah. So uh, yeah, that, thank you, Michael. I I'm going to listen back to this and. Um, so how about a, how about a mind shifter? Please. Whenever the women in my life comma my wife 
comma, my daughter, my mother. are in upset. I maintain awareness that I am innocent and safe. Oh, I love it. You weren't to blame then and you're not to blame now. Right away on the right hand side, I, I got. I have to fight. Uh, instant yep. and sit. Uh, and then I just kind of. A, I have to. You know. I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to fix it. I have to. I have to correct it. I have to. Be. You know. It's just a lot. It's a lot of I have to. So my offering would be the only thing that you need to be in that situation is the innocent being that you are. Question. It, it relating, because the, the incident that brought this up, that I used to bring this up, um, had to do with winning and losing or, or being dominated. Any thoughts around that? Like giving well, away, like I, it's not just innocence. It's it's. Yeah, it's like if what what I'm getting, you know, if, the, if if a woman in my life is in some sort of trauma, I'm going to get hurt. And what if a woman is overconfident, pretty misogynistic? I don't like to say it out loud, but that. And, and, well, overconfident could have a lot of different meanings. But what I get Period. is that the, the threat of being dominated, I'm going to be hurt. It's and to clean... A lot of, yeah, a lot of put-down energy. To clean that out and to come to a point of safety, like where I could be the presence of love in the presence of an important woman in my life just losing it all together and I can just stand there. What what would I have to achieve to just be able to stand there and be the space? Yeah. I I remember when my mother would have her storms come up inside herself. All of a sudden it would be a there'd be a barrage of things, but one of the famous one of the famous ones was you only care about yourself, you know, like you don't you know you like my room's a little messy because I'm a young boy and I don't care about my room being clean. Um, you know, all of a sudden it become it would become like a scary. It's your fault. Yeah, very. Yeah, your it's your fault and it's intense and it's like and and then like direct insults and um, about the you know, quality of my character and and then you only you know. You only care about yourself. You're this. You're that. So I guess that's what that is. From the person whose assigned task is to be the presence of love for you. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, I just remembered something I tapped into in, in couples therapy yesterday, which was we talked about measuring up in the family system. And I used to think about it in terms of grades or intellectual things. And, and I got this uh, really strong, like sick, like sick feeling inside, like really not pleasant feeling inside where that not measuring up at a feelings level, just like pre, pre, um, yeah, I think I'm sure it happens a lot in families with close siblings that are close in age and, but it was, it was like pre-verbal, just kind of like a, a feelings level, like I'm not enough here and it doesn't feel good. But I got, got, got we, you know, the couples therapy has been a powerful healing modality to right. tap into. And the couples therapy is like turbocharged because I've, been working with these tools for so long. I don't know if you've been on a show where I, I shared, I'm strong to share this with you. Jeannie and I were actually shopping in a store and uh, we were behind a, a woman who had a little boy about three in her cart and he wanted some grapes and there you know ensued a big scene big crying you know screaming scene over a little kid wanting some grapes and the person checked out ahead of us i went out to the car to pull the car up to the door so Jeannie could bring the groceries out and as it as it turned out this woman checked out and then Jeannie was at the front door, and she had moved to the side to do whatever she was going to do with groceries and such. And so Jeannie's standing at the front door of the store, as this waiting for me to pull the car up. As this woman is wheeling her son out, and her son is in a crying tone saying to her, "Mom, I love you. Please don't beat me." So I get it. It's not objectively sad. It brings up sadness for me that, you know, a little one that gets triggered and has no probably tools to manage what's the big emotions and then. What's well, insane that a child of three could even know those words. Yeah. Well, yeah, Bizarre. I was talking about the consequences. Or what happened? Like they want the grapes, they go for the grapes, and then they're going to get beat for for, the, for being yeah. susceptible to their own emotions because the parent has no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I hold the space that you can proclaim your innocence and move everything out of the way that could bury your innocence. And this show's going to cut us off at any second. We don't have any control over it. It's going to shut down. But we'll be holding the space for whatever the underlying energy is to move out. 
and I think that responsibility communication and worksheets perhaps complete the responsibility communication with the commitment might be uh, what it's going to take to open the the deeper level of this and with a with a view toward really being able to be that space for your daughter that perhaps your parents weren't able to be for you. And my son's a real hot one too. Yeah. Yeah, I've been taught really clearly by Arya Rain that my only job is to function as love and to see only that in her, whatever her mind, her mouth, her body are doing, that I do that. And if anything other than that's triggered in me, my job is to clean it up fast so that I am that space. Like, that's the parental role. God. So... And there's that, yeah, I love how you say that the ego has a cheap copy for everything that's real in the spiritual dimension. So, like, the idea that, you know, honor would take the place of, like, you know, whatever, the the, the right seat at the dinner table, metaphorically, right? Or the, the way you talk right. to me, you know. Yeah. You know, you better yeah. talk to me, you know, honor me because I'm your father. It's just, it's, it's just patent. I have it. Next layer. Next layer of healing. Yeah. It's coming up because it's time. Uh, you always, what I'm always what would it be like if what it would be, would it be like if you had no capacity to respond with anything other than the pure presence of love, especially to your daughter, absolutely, who I know is so precious to you. For sure. Yes. Thank you. Amazing. I can't believe we're still talking. I thought the show would have cut us off by now. Yeah, it's uh, it's being generous with us today. <laughs> it's it's <awesome>. a miracle. <laughs> Yay, there you go. There you go. Hi, right, my friend. Well, we hold this space for you and for your whole family. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. the integrity I, uh, of your work. I appreciate you, and um, I'll, uh, I'll try to do a better job of uh, checking in more often. Because it's I, I get rewarded for you, but we get to, I get rewarded every time. Blessings. All right, you have a blessed one. Lots of love. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 